Section 5 of The Schoolmaster and Other Stories by Anton Chekhov. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Tomko. The Schoolmaster and Other Stories by Anton Chekhov. Section 5. Betrothed, Part 2, Chapters 4 to 6. The wind was beating on the window and on the roof. There was a whistling sound, and in the stove the house spirit was plaintively and sullenly droning his song. It was past midnight, everyone in the house had gone to bed, but no one was asleep, and it seemed all the while to Nadia as though they were playing the fiddle below. There was a sharp bang, a shutter must have been torn off. A minute later Nina Ivanovna came in her nightgown with a candle. "'What was the bang, Nadia?' she asked. Her mother, with her hair in a single plait and a timid smile on her face, looked older, plainer, smaller on that stormy night. Nadia remembered that quite a little time ago she had thought her mother was an exceptional woman and had listened with pride to the things she said. And now she could not remember those things. Everything that came into her mind was so feeble and useless. In the stove was the sound of several bass voices in chorus, and she even heard, Oh, my God! Nadia sat on her bed, and suddenly she clutched at her hair and burst into sobs. Mother! Mother, my own! she said. If only you knew what is happening to me. I beg you, I beseech you, let me go away. I beseech you. Where? asked Nina Ivanovna not understanding, and she sat down on the bedstead. Go where? For a long while Nadia cried and could not utter a word. Let me go away from the town, she said at last. There must not and will not be a wedding. Understand that. I don't love that man. I can't even speak about him. No, my own, no, Nina Ivanovna said quickly terribly alarmed. Calm yourself. It's just because you are in low spirits. It will pass. It often happens. Most likely you have had a tiff with André. But lovers' quarrels always end in kisses. Oh, go away, mother. Oh, go away, sobbed Nadia. Yes, said Nina Ivanovna, after a pause. It's not long since you were a baby, a little girl, and now you are engaged to be married. In nature, there is a continual transmutation of substances. Before you know where you are, you will be a mother yourself and an old woman, and will have as rebellious a daughter as I have. My darling, my sweet, you are clever, you know. You are unhappy, said Nadia. You are very unhappy. Why do you say such very dull, commonplace things? For God's sake, why? Nina Ivanovna tried to say something, but could not utter a word. She gave a sob and went away to her own room. The bass voices began droning in the stove again, and Nadia felt suddenly frightened. She jumped out of bed and went quickly to her mother. Nina Ivanovna, with tear-stained face, was lying in bed wrapped in a pale blue quilt and holding a book in her hands. "'Mother, listen to me,' said Nadia. "'I implore you.' do understand. If you would only understand how petty and degrading our life is. My eyes have been opened, and I see it all now. And what is your Andrei Andreitch? Why, he is not intelligent, mother. 
Merciful heavens, do understand, mother. He is stupid. Nina Ivanovna abruptly sat up. You and your grandmother torment me, she said with a sob. I want to live, to live, she repeated, and twice she beat her little fist upon her bosom. Let me be free. I am still young. I want to live, and you have made me an old woman between you. She broke into bitter tears, lay down and curled up under the quilt, and looked so small, so pitiful, so foolish. Nadya went to her room, dressed, and, sitting at the window, fell to waiting for the morning. She sat all night, thinking, while someone seemed to be tapping on the shutters and whistling in the yard. In the morning, Granny complained that the wind had blown down all the apples in the garden, and broken down an old plum tree. It was gray, murky, cheerless, dark enough for candles. Everyone complained of the cold, and the rain lashed on the windows. After tea, Nadya went into Sasha's room, and without saying a word, knelt down before an armchair in the corner, and hid her face in her hands. "'What is it?' asked Sasha. "'I can't,' she said. "'How I could go on living here before, I can't understand.' I can't conceive. I despise the man I am engaged to. I despise myself. I despise all this idle, senseless existence. Well, well, said Sasha, not yet grasping what was meant. That's all right. That's good. I am sick of this life, Nadya went on. I can't endure another day here. Tomorrow I am going away. Take me with you, for God's sake. For a minute, Sasha looked at her in astonishment. At last he understood, and was delighted as a child. He waved his arms and began pattering with his slippers, as though he were dancing with delight. "'Splendid!' he said, rubbing his hands. "'My goodness, how fine that is!' And she stared at him without blinking, with adoring eyes, as though spellbound, expecting every minute that he would say something important, something infinitely significant. He had told her nothing yet, but already it seemed to her that something new and great was opening before her which she had not known till then, and already she gazed at him full of expectation, ready to face anything, even death. "'I am going to-morrow,' he said, after a moment's thought. "'You come to the station to see me off. I'll take your things in my portmanteau, and I'll get your ticket, and when the third bell rings you get into the carriage.' and will go off. You'll see me as far as Moscow, and then go on to Petersburg alone. Have you a passport? Yes. I can promise you you won't regret it, said Sasha, with conviction. You will go, you will study, and then go where fate takes you. When you turn your life upside down, everything will be changed. The great thing is to turn your life upside down, and all the rest is unimportant. And so we will set off to-morrow." Oh, yes, for God's sake. It seemed to Nadya that she was very much excited, that her heart was heavier than ever before, that she would spend all the time till she went away in misery and agonizing thought. But she had hardly gone upstairs and lain down on her bed when she fell asleep at once, with traces of tears and a smile on her face, and slept soundly till evening. Chapter 5 a cab had been sent for nadya in her hat and overcoat went upstairs to take one more look at her mother and all her belongings she stood in her own room beside her still warm bed looked about her then went slowly into her mother 
Nina Ivanovna was asleep. It was quite still in her room. Nadya kissed her mother, smoothed her hair, stood still for a couple of minutes, then walked slowly downstairs. It was raining heavily. The cabman, with the hood pulled down, was standing at the entrance, drenched with rain. "'There is not room for you, Nadya,' said Granny, as the servants began putting in the luggage. "'What an idea to see him off in such weather. You had better stop at home. Goodness, how it rains!' Nadya tried to say something, but could not. Then Sasha helped Nadya in and covered her feet with a rug. Then he sat down beside her. "'Good luck to you. God bless you,' Granny cried from the steps. "'Mind you, write to us from Moscow, Sasha.' "'Right. Good-bye, Granny. The Queen of Heaven keep you.' "'Oh, what weather,' said Sasha. It was only now that Nadya began to cry. Now it was clear to her that she certainly was going, which she had not really believed when she was saying good-bye to Granny, and when she was looking at her mother. Good-bye, town, and she suddenly thought of it all. Andre and his father, and the new house, and the naked lady with the vase, and it all no longer frightened her, nor weighed upon her, but was naive and trivial and continually retreated further away. And when they got into the railway carriage and the train began to move, all that past which had been so big and serious shrank up into something tiny, and a vast wide future which till then had scarcely been noticed began unfolding before her. The rain pattered on the carriage windows. Nothing could be seen but the green fields. Telegraph posts with birds sitting on the wires flitted by, and joy made her hold her breath. She thought that she was going to freedom going to study, and this was just like what used, ages ago, to be called going off to be a free Cossack. She laughed and cried and prayed all at once. "'It's uh, all right,' said Sasha, smiling. "'It's uh, all right.'" Chapter 6 Autumn had passed and winter too had gone. Nadya had begun to be very homesick and thought every day of her mother and her grandmother. She thought of Sasha, too. The letters that came from home were kind and gentle, and it seemed as though everything by now were forgiven and forgotten. In May, after the examinations, she set off for home in good health and high spirits. She stopped on the way at Moscow to see Sasha. He was just the same as the year before, with the same beard and unkempt hair, with the same large, beautiful eyes, and he still wore the same coat and canvas trousers. But he looked unwell and worried. He seemed both older and thinner, and kept coughing, and for some reason he struck Nadya as grey and provincial. "'My God! Nadya has come!' he said, and laughed gaily. "'My darling girl!' They sat in the printing-room, which was full of tobacco smoke, and smelt strongly, stiflingly of Indian ink and paint. Then they went to his room, which also smelt of tobacco, and was full of the traces of spitting. Near a cold samovar stood a broken plate with dark paper on it, and there were masses of dead flies on the table and on the floor. And everything showed that Sasha ordered his personal life in a slovenly way, and lived, anyhow, with utter contempt for comfort. And if anyone began talking to him of his personal happiness, of his personal life, of affection for him, he would not have understood and would have only laughed. It is all right. Everything has gone well, said Nadya hurriedly. 
Mother came to see me in Petersburg in the autumn. She said that Granny is not angry and only keeps going into my room and making the sign of the cross over the walls. Sasha looked cheerful, but he kept coughing and talked in a cracked voice, and Nadya kept looking at him, unable to decide whether he really were seriously ill or whether it were only her fancy. "'Dear Sasha,' she said, "'you are ill.' "'No, it's nothing.' I am ill, but not very. Oh, dear, cried Nadya, in agitation. Why don't you go to a doctor? Why don't you take care of your health? My dear, darling Sasha, she said, and tears gushed from her eyes, and for some reason there rose before her imagination Andrei Andreitch and the naked lady with the vase, and all her past, which seemed now as far away as her childhood, and she began crying because sasha no longer seemed to her so novel so cultured and so interesting as the year before dear sasha you are very very ill i would do anything to make you not so pale and thin i am so indebted to you you can't imagine how much you have done for me my good sasha in reality you are now the person nearest and dearest to me they sat on and talked and now, after Nadya had spent a winter in Petersburg, Sasha, his works, his smile, his whole figure, had for her a suggestion of something out of date, old-fashioned, done with long ago, and perhaps already dead and buried. "'I am going down the Volga the day after tomorrow,' said Sasha, "'and then to drink cumis. I mean to drink cumis. A friend and his wife are going with me. His wife is a wonderful woman.' I am always at her, trying to persuade her to go to the university. I want her to turn her life upside down. After having talked, they drove to the station. Sasha got her tea and apples, and when the train began moving, and he waved his handkerchief at her, smiling, it could be seen even from his legs that he was very ill and would not live long. Nadya reached her native town at midday. As she drove home from the station, the street struck her as very wide, and the houses very small and squat. There were no people about. She met no one but the German piano tuner in a rusty greatcoat, and all the houses looked as though they were covered with dust. Granny, who seemed to have grown quite old, but was as fat and plain as ever, flung her arms around Nadya and cried for a long time with her face on Nadya's shoulder unable to tear herself away. Nina Ainovna looked much older and plainer and seemed shriveled up, but was still tightly laced and still had diamonds flashing on her fingers. "'My darling,' she said, trembling all over. "'My darling!' Then they sat down and cried without speaking. It was evident that both mother and grandmother realized that the past was lost and gone, never to return." They had now no position in society, no prestige as before, no right to invite visitors. So it is when in the midst of an easy, careless life the police suddenly burst in at night and made a search, and it turns out that the head of the family has embezzled money or committed forgery, and goodbye then to the easy, careless life forever. Nadya went upstairs and saw the same bed the same windows with naive white curtains, and outside the windows the same garden, gay and noisy, bathed in sunshine. She touched the table, sat down, and sank into thought, 
and she had a good dinner and drank tea with delicious rich cream, but something was missing. There was a sense of emptiness in the rooms, and the ceilings were so low. In the evening she went to bed, covered herself up, and for some reason it seemed to her to be funny lying in this snug, very soft bed. Nina Ivanovna came in for a minute. She sat down as people who feel guilty sit down, timidly, and looking about her. "'Well, tell me, Nadya,' she inquired after a brief pause, "'are you contented? Quite contented?' "'Yes, mother.' nina ivanovna got up made the sign of the cross over nadya and the windows i have become religious as you see she said you know i am studying philosophy now and i am always thinking and thinking and many things have become as clear as daylight to me it seems to me that what is above all necessary is that life should pass as it were through a prism tell me mother how is granny in health she seems all right when you went away that time with sasha and the telegram came from you granny fell on the floor as she read it for three days she lay without moving after that she was always praying and crying but now she is all right again she got up and walked about the room tick tock tapped the watchman tick tock tick tock what is above all necessary is that life should pass as it were through a prism she said in other words that life in consciousness should be analyzed into its simplest elements as into the seven primary colors and each element must be studied separately what nina ivanovna said further and when she went away nadya did not hear as she quickly fell asleep may passed june came nadya had grown used to being at home granny busied herself about the samovar heaving deep sighs nina ivanovna talked in the evenings about her philosophy she still lived in the house like a poor relation and had to go to granny for every farthing there were lots of flies in the house and the ceiling seemed to become lower and lower granny and nina ivanovna did not go out in the streets for fear of meeting father andrey and andrey andreyitch nadya walked about the garden and the streets looked at the gray fences and it seemed to her that everything in the town had grown old was out of date, and was only waiting either for the end or for the beginning of something young and fresh. Oh, if only that new, bright life would come more quickly, that life in which one will be able to face one's fate boldly and directly, to know that one is right, to be light-hearted and free, and sooner or later such a life will come. The time will come when, of Granny's house, where things are so arranged that the four servants can only live in one room in filth in the basement, the time will come when, of that house, not a trace will remain, and it will be forgotten. No one will remember it. And Nadia's only entertainment was from the boys next door. When she walked about the garden, they knocked on the fence and shouted in mockery, Betrothed! Betrothed! A letter from Sasha arrived from Saratov. In his gay, dancing handwriting, he told them that his journey on the Volga had been a complete success, but that he had been taken rather ill in Saratov, had lost his voice, and had been for the last fortnight in the hospital. She knew what that meant, and she was overwhelmed with a foreboding that was like a conviction, and it vexed her that this foreboding and the thought of Sasha did not distress her so much as before. 
She had a passionate desire for life, longed to be in Petersburg, and her friendship with Sasha seemed now sweet, but something far, far away. She did not sleep all night, and in the morning sat at the window, listening. And she did, in fact, hear voices below. Granny, greatly agitated, was asking questions rapidly. Then someone began crying. When Nadja went downstairs, Granny was standing in the corner, praying before the icon, and her face was tearful. A telegram lay on the table. For some time, Nadja walked up and down the room, listening to Granny's weeping. Then she picked up the telegram and read it. It announced that the previous morning, Alexandra Timofeitch, or more simply, Sasha, had died at Saratov of consumption. Granny and Nina Ivanovna went to the church to order a memorial service, while Nadya went on walking about her rooms and thinking. She recognized clearly that her life had been turned upside down as Sasha wished, that here she was alien, isolated, useless, and that everything here was useless to her, that all the past had been torn away from her and vanished as though it had been burnt up and the ashes scattered to the winds she went into sasha's room and stood there for a while good-bye dear sasha she thought and before her mind rose the vista of a new wide spacious life and that life still obscure and full of mysteries beckoned her and attracted her she went upstairs to her own room to pack and next morning said good-bye to her family and full of life and high spirits left the town as she supposed forever end of section five recording by william tomko